the podcast with Mike and Bomber. Okay, we're back and round six is over and uh, we're on episode 23 now. We're uh, well into the 20s. How do you think the weekend went? Uh, you're not great <laughs> from an Eagles perspective. That but, was uh, wonderful. What a great weekend. And, and it went forever. Um, so we're finally at a point where we haven't had footy now for what? It'll be three days. How are we holding up? Uh, I'm enjoying a little bit of a couple of days off because I think the last two weeks was pretty crazy with the, the one day break. Uh, but you know, I'll be excited for it when the weekend rolls around again and we don't have a Thursday night game this week. So that's good. Yeah. The first game of the, uh, the first round of the season, so round seven with no Thursday night fixture. So that's, that'll be a bit different, but, uh, we'll talk about round seven a bit later. Yep. So uh, I guess we'll get straight on to our thoughts in the week. Mike, who was your star of the week? And I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to see this one. Uh, David Mundy, Mundy 300, 300 oh, games. Good, very good. Uh, and was was really good on the night. Um, the, the way that it was all done, uh, obviously after the Dockers won the game, he got to... Do a little bit of a lap of honour uh, and got carried off in between the Dockers and the Western Bulldogs players being uh, applauded and it was uh, really well done by by both teams and good of yeah, the Bulldogs always, to stick around. Yeah, I always think it, it's particularly if a side comes over and loses, it's always very good of them to stay off and wait for the player to, to be chaired off. I think it's, it shows really good sportsmanship. Yeah, it does. And who was your star? And that, it, was a, it was a quality performance from Monday. Yes. Uh, and I heard on the, and this is, you know, my pet hate, I heard someone in the media say if he played for Hawthorne, he would be a, a legend. And I think, no, he is a legend anyway. Yeah, so, he is. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, it doesn't matter who he plays for. He's still just as good. Um, my star, and I, I, there was a couple of options here. I was thinking, do I go Sydney Stack? Do I go Gary Ablett? But I'm going Nathan Buckley. Okay, and I just I probably liked his what he did at the end of the Anzac Day game for for different reasons than a lot of other people. So, um, and I know I'm aware he said some things on uh, I think it was the front bar afterwards, but I just like the fact that yes, the yes penalty was booed. And you can you know I, I have no issue with booing at the footy. I think that's not a problem, and I think people need to get over that. But I just. I don't think there's an issue with Buckley calling it out. I think we were, it was an Anzac Day um, presentation where someone was getting an Anzac Day medal, and I think we just needed to calm down. And I think Buckley for saying uh, what he did was just sticking up for his player, and I think it was fine. Um, but I also like the fact that then he, he brought it back in his speech, back to what the day was all about. So he, And he thanked his father, and I thought that was a really touching moment. So I thought, and the crowd did be quiet when he started doing that. Mm. So I just thought it was really good of him to just remind everyone, okay, this is what the day is all about. We, we're lucky to play footy here. Um, let's just stop being dickheads for a moment. So that's what I liked about it. Okay, great. Uh, and flog. My flog, yes. Uh, my flog for the week was... Jack Rewalt uh, for oh, his, boy. for his, firstly for his chicken wing tackle, and then for having what do you what would you call it the audacity maybe to try and challenge, challenge. the chicken wing tackle and uh, cop another five hundred bucks for that. Thanks, Jack. So I just thought it was a bit yeah, silly. It was clearly a a bad tackle. It looked terrible uh, on on the vision. So. Not great. Yeah, he, he said he, he didn't mean to, to cause me harm or whatever, but you know, I just think, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think what they say afterwards and what their intentions are at the time are quite often very, very different. I remember oh, as a what? youngster playing football and you always got told to, you know, if you hurt them or whatever, then great. You know, yeah. makes them think twice the next time they go in there. So, yeah. Uh, to uh, Brennan Savola at the Brownlow night, giving uh, Chris Judd crap for the chicken wing tackle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
it takes us back. That was that was really the the origins of the chicken wing, wasn't it? It was. I think uh, yeah, Juddy was the first one to do it. I think. And and that was the end of the bowler at Cal. Yeah, it was. <laughs> who, who was your flog for the week? My flog, and I've gone to media. I feel like next week, make sure I don't go to media, but I'm going to. Um, there's been a bit of bit of time trying. I posted on our Facebook page. Now's a good time to plug our Facebook page. If you're listening, no matter, we've got people listening everywhere. So if you're in Turkey, Canada, um, or all around Australia, if you're listening, get on the Facebook page, uh, Holding the Ball Podcast, or get on our Twitter at Hold Ball Pod. Um, but I put up a, a post on our Facebook page about a bit of an exchange that happened between Tom Brown and Jack Rewalt last week. Um, and I thought it was pretty amusing and a lot of our uh, followers agreed. Um, and then um, Damien Barrett came out today and said, well, players can't really hold the media accountable um, and that the journalists are hitable targets and quoted his uh, his article in, on afl.com.au uh, today. And uh, yeah, um, Trelaw, Adam Trelaw has actually come out and said, well, getting the facts right is actually the big one. That's what we want you to do. Yep. Get the facts right. Um, Craig Hutchinson, who's pretty much a media like magnate these days, he pretty much runs the whole media with his crop media business going gangbusters, come out, mm. come out and said, well, maybe it would be better if um, players improved or clubs improved access. And I think, I think players give us pretty good access. Like players are getting interviewed at half time now as they're walking around. Yeah, the getting I think interviewed while they're getting a massage on their on their legs, and, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and with BT doing his roaming Brian and all that sort of yeah, stuff. I think there's that, plenty of access. I think, I think we do all right. Yep. Um, and and but then Hutchie did go on and said, you know, the media need to be held accountable because they hold the players accountable. And I I agree with him. I think I just personally think we need a, the media need to forget about being first all the time and start just focusing on being right, being correct. That's my big bug there. And uh, so my slap is, particularly the demo, for just trying to make a point that no one cares about and no one agrees with. <laughs> Typical um, demo. But I was really – yeah. And I was uh, – I think I've, I've flogged him about three times so far. But uh, really entertained by Jack and Tom Brown over the weekend. Yeah, Damo's doing well to get the Flog of the Year award at the moment. So um, – he's, he's on top. Let, let's move on to some comments we've received on Facebook about about round six. Uh, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's go. So we've got uh, old Nick uh, Bellward. Now, I did post a bit of a picture of Nick listening to the podcast on his uh, car radio, so great to see you listening, Nico. Uh, he said, the worst is the umpiring in the Anzac Day clash and the bullying during the medal. So I think the, uh, the bullying was because of the umpiring. Yep. Um, but I will talk about the umpiring when we when – we, cover that game, so I won't go into that. Okay. Um, and Nick says the best was Monday's 300, which we've touched on, and it was superb and a great milestone. The second most Aussie to do it, uh, or the second, sorry, uh, player based out of one of the two WA yep. clubs yep. to do it, um, and not paying 1300 for a charter flight to watch my team play like shit, and that was in response <laughs> to the West Coast, uh, getting the charter flight to Geelong, and... Uh, yep. Serving up the trash that they served up on Sunday afternoon. That was fantastic. Yep. That's a very good comment, Nick. Really agree with that. Um, let's move on to Taylor. Uh, the best Eagles losing two weeks running. Uh, Taylor Taylor is a, an, a Dockers fan, which is no good. Um, oh, that, that's fantastic. You know what? Uh, I'm just going to like um, that while we're listening, while we're while we're reading it. Good work there. Really like that uh, one. No, I don't, no, I don't like that form, uh, Taylor. <laughs> you just got to sort yourself out there. Keep it up, Taylor. Um, um, Robbie, Robbie G, who's a regular, he loves getting nine out of nine tips, and certainly this week was a little easier for the tipsters, and we both got eight. We did during the week for round six, and Rob saying Eagles played so poor. And, you know, being an Eagles fan, they were horrible. And the pulling of Pendlebury, which I think, um, yeah, it's a polarising incident, that one. The pulling of Pendlebury didn't like it. It was. All right. And uh, Dave Reynolds here. Uh, best Anzac Day footy and how much both teams want it. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, the Anzac Day itself is a really good uh, game to watch, isn't it? Really good spectacle. The game oh, ended up really a, close. It was it was quite a good it match. It was a ripper game. Mm. It was a ripper game. It was the best one we had in a little while, I think. And yep. um, yeah, it's um, 
yeah, you got two big teams on a big stage. I think there was 92,000 people there. Uh, third, big, the third biggest crowd, I think it was, um, yeah, for an Anzac Day game. Yep. So, really good. And then uh, he's said here the worst is that uh, charter flight, Eagles charter flight thing again. Uh, so you return along with your fans after you've uh, charged 1,300 a seat for that debacle. So yeah, yeah. I think the players might have had their uh, heads, uh, heads down a bit after that one. They might have been given some uh, pretty free autographs and photos and things out after that so that they uh, got yeah. something for their money. <laughs> yep. Uh, on to Nathan James, worst Andrew Gaff's field kicking display against Geelong. Butchered it. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had a lot of possessions but did nothing with it. I think, was it yeah, efficiency around 50%? Yeah, I think it was about 57 I think. But, um, yeah, I think he's the knock on gap at the moment. Um, still, you know, finding his way back, I think. Um, but he's... Um, He's not doing enough damage. Um, with, when Four, he's got the Forty-eight percent. I've just looked it up. Oh, there you go. That's bad. So yeah, needs to do a lot more with it. But he also needs a bit of support in that midfield because um, a lot of his teammates were down as well. Um, on to Max Phillips. Uh, so thanks for getting uh, in touch with us here, Max. He uh, said the best is Eagles having another forty-point loss, and worse is no one wants. To, well, no one at work wants to talk footy. <laughs> well, that's the consequence, mate. <laughs> if all your workmates are Eagles fans. Yeah, well, um, the majority of people over here are Eagles fans, so um, that's the way it is. And, yeah, and I'll just touch base with, uh, I'll say this right, Steve-O on, uh, on Twitter. Yep. He got in touch with us, and uh, he responded saying, Jack Darling having a shocker. And, yes. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I responded by saying yes at the moment. He's averaging under, under 10 disposals and 0.5 contested marks per game. Oh, that's uh, not good. At the moment is a, yeah, I know, which is a huge issue for West Coast at the moment. And uh, Devo replies to that going, it looks like Tarzan plays like Jane and certainly uh, <laughs> that's the way it's looking at the moment with Darling. And I think on, on the couch, uh, they highlighted a few of his efforts and they just want wanting to show a bit more presence. But we'll get on to the West Coast uh, a little bit later. Yeah, and I think we'll just quickly finish on before we move on to the games. Uh, Carney's comment, I'm tuning into the A-League finals from now on. Uh, pretty oh, yeah. diehard uh, Eagles fan there. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's worth, uh, if you're a West Australian, tuning in to watch the glory. They just had another 5-0 yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So certainly if the Eagles lose to the Gold Coast this weekend, um, yeah, we might turn this into an A-League finals podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll just take a quick break and we will come back uh, with our review of the games. Beauty. Let's do it. The Hold the Ball Podcast. All right. So uh, ready to review the games of round six, the, the round that went forever. Um, Mike, you're up first. Uh, Richmond, Melbourne. Yeah, Richmond and Melbourne, and um, pretty disappointing, really, again. And uh, Melbourne just looking really, really bad uh, and really disappointing, actually. I, I really enjoyed watching Melbourne last year, and they've really struggled this year, and they look a shadow of the team from last year that that beat some, uh, some good sides in the finals. So uh, another blow to Melbourne. Uh, but I guess the key points from the game... Um, the key point that I think went uh, all over the news, especially in WA, was Sydney Stack. And uh, yeah, how good? Hardwick has already said that he's a he's a hero, a Richmond hero among the fans because he's done the three things that fans love most. He's taken the high flying mark. He's done the big massive bump on Jack Viney. Oh, that was good. Wasn't that it? was that fantastic. Was, that was brilliant. And uh, he's also kicked the torp. He's kicked the torp out of defence. So he's done the three, th- yeah. got the three ticks there, and uh, Richmond fans are in love with him. Um, yeah, well, he was rated. I think he was rated. I think the best West Aussie in the draft, and because of you know questions about his discipline, wasn't picked up. So fair play to Richmond for having a crack on him. Yeah, uh, and I guess the other things to come out of that game, uh, Rewalt's picked up another injury. Uh, after just coming back and uh, is out for a few weeks. I think it might have been something like six weeks. 
And uh, Jack Viney also out for a couple after suffering a bit of a shoulder injury from Sydney Stacks bump. So um, I'll get straight on to the votes here because we're trying to keep these yep. reasonably quick. Uh, I've given Nick Vloston uh, the three votes. He had 28. Yeah, he, was he was great, yeah. 28 disposals on the day, 11 of those contested. He had 13 marks. Uh, three of those were contested. He had four score involvements and went at 82% efficiency and also 14 intercept, 14 of his possessions were intercept possessions. So um, very, very good across half back back there. Yeah. Uh, another defender in Basha Hooley. He was my two votes. He had 32 disposals, seven marks, five tackles, 11 intercept possessions, five score involvements, 81% efficiency, and 670 metres gained. So some pretty uh, impressive stats along the back line there for uh, for the Richmond guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I gave the single vote there to Dion Prestia. Uh, he got 30 possessions, 18 contested. He was the one getting all the clearances out of the middle. He had 10 clearances, oh, uh, six score involvements, and went at 76% efficiency. So those those guys had some pretty good uh, efficiency um, uh, coming out of uh, defense and out of the middle there. So, uh, yeah. That's uh, that's the votes. So we'll move on to yeah. uh, your first game, the Anzac Day Clash, Essendon and Collingwood. Yeah, just a final note on that. I noticed, I think, when I was watching the end of that Richmond-Melbourne game, mm. they showed the Telstra tracker of the, the ground that players were covering. The top oh, yeah. five were all Richmond players. Uh, so highlighting the fact that Melbourne players possibly not working hard enough. Not working uh, hard enough or are not fit enough. Yeah, possibly one of those things. So we'll mm. get to the blockbuster on Anzac Day. Yep. And, uh, gee, it was a belter. It was really good. And Collingwood came out of the blocks and they kicked 4 5 to a goal uh, to quarter time. And uh, I think uh, well, Collingwood now the first number one first quarter team in the comp. So they come out of the blocks every week. Yep. Um, but that was always going to be tough. And I thought, oh, gee, it might not be the game it, it ended up being. Um, but the Bombers, to their credit, came back and they. Uh, uh, they were excellent. I don't think any team lost any fans uh, in this game. And, gee, it was great to see, um, from a traditionalist point of view, the key forwards take hold, particularly for Essendon. Uh, in the second quarter, when Jake Stringer kicked the beauty from the boundary, and then that 60-metre bomb from Joe Danaher. Yes, that um, was good. Oh, that was absolutely outstanding. Um, just, oh, man, it got me fired up anyway. But it was just good to watch. Um, I think the talking point, no doubt, that came out of the game was the umpiring. Um, yeah. I, in, in my opinion, there was four holding the balls that were missed and they were all left in his way. Um, and two of them, the players stopped. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Um, on yeah. game day, Channel 7's game day uh, show on Sunday morning, they went over those two or three decisions um, and they were sort of, well, Adam Cooney on the on the panel there was quite happy with how they were sort of officiated. So, um, yeah, interesting. Well, fair credit to him. Um, Ryan, one of the, the more experienced umpires, did go on, I think it was SDN, next day and explained them all and said they were all correct decisions. But the tools and the players stopped. So, I mean, one thing you've always been taught is play the whistle. Yeah. I mean, so don't bloody stop unless the whistle blows. Yeah. Um, but there were a couple of them I thought, oh, the Crisp and the Stevenson one, I thought, oh, gee whiz, I thought they should have been holding the ball. But that's another issue. Yep. Um, but a cracking game, a really good advertisement for Anzac Day footy. Um, my votes, and yep. Dylan Shield does miss out. Um, I know you got a lot of the footy, but he is now uh, the number one AFL player uh, for points conceded from turnovers. So wow. Dylan Shield turns it over too much. That's why he's not in vote. Okay. Uh, so I've given three votes to the Anzac Day medalist, Scott Kenilbury, who had 38 touches, and he was just silky. He was just his normal silky self. Uh, I've given two votes to Grundy, who with 39 hit-outs and 24 touches at 75%, if you don't mind. Uh, he goes all right. And uh, I've given one vote, and it was really tough. There was a few people I could have gone here, but I've gone for Michael Hurley, uh, 
gone for the back, backman's union here. 20 touches, 11 intercept possessions and 7 rebounds. I thought it was really important there for yeah, and uh, just to prove out there that we do have an occasional win on the betting, I threw a quick fiver on Scott Pendlebury to win the medal at the beginning of the game and oh, got uh, 75 bucks. So, uh, oh, yeah, well wish done. I'd thrown well that one in the multi. Ah, well done. Well played. Okay, over to you for Friday night. All right, so Friday night football and uh, the blockbuster that was yeah. the power versus the ruse. Uh, oh, what a- you reckon that would have been a Friday night football game if there wasn't Wednesday and Thursday night football? I or- think I said that on last week's podcast. If there was yeah, any yeah, other yeah. round, this game would have been Sunday morning. Sunday morning, flock, no one cares. Everyone's still sleeping or it's kid sport or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So this was the uh, the return to Adelaide for Pollock and Pittard, which was uh, quite yeah. interesting. I, I thought both of them weren't too bad on the day, actually. Um, Pollock kicked one of those beautiful, goal from beautiful goals from the pocket that he seems to be quite good at. Um, but really, I thought Port dominated the game. Um, Port basically shut down at the end and... Uh, sort of let North Melbourne back into it, but I think they were just so far ahead that they sort of just threw in the towel and just let it go a little bit. A um, couple of key moments from the from the game. I thought um, Nick, I think it's Nick, is it Nick? Nick Larky? Oh, Larky, yeah. Larky yeah, for uh, North Melbourne. Kicked three goals. I thought he was really good. Um, on a day where, or a night where uh, Bren... Ben Brown couldn't kick a goal. Uh, yeah, no, he was all right. And I thought he was really good. So that's that's a promising sign. And one of the things that North Melbourne, I think, have been struggling with is that they're too one-dimensional with going to Brown all the time right. and Brown's getting outnumbered. And they need guys like Larky or uh, Mason Wood uh, coming in there yeah, and taking right. some, other, okay. some of the other defenders. So promising signs for North Melbourne there. Um, mm. I'll go into my votes. I won't waste too much time because the game itself wasn't fantastic. Um, other than, uh, well, there was some some good moments from uh, your mate again. He's probably risen oh, to the um, risen to the uh, top, maybe of the Rising Star Award chances. Yeah, I'd like to see what the odds were at the moment. Actually, each other at the moment. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, sorry, now's probably the good time to mention that uh, this week's nominee is uh, another Port Adelaide youngster in Dersma. Oh, he got the nominee. Okay, great. He got he got the nomination this week with uh, twenty four touches and a goal. So well done to Dersma and shows how good Port have done with their young recruits. Oh, those uh, they got those four, I think, players, and they all look really good. So, um, yeah, good on them. Um, all right, so I'll get into my votes. Uh, we had three votes to Boke, who um, just turning back the clock. Um, Thirty-eight disposals. Uh, it's just I just can't really quite understand what's going on. I thought he was sort of past it a bit, and uh, thirty-eight disposals, fifteen contested. He went at eighty-one percent efficiency. He had ten clearances. Um and he had nine inside fifties. Okay. Jared Schofield going over there coaching the midfield. I think he's changed it up a bit there. I think uh, a lot, a lot of credit goes to him. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. We will have to keep an eye on that one. Uh, mm. So yeah, Travis Boat got the three votes there. Uh, I went for Ben Cunnington for North Melbourne with my two votes. I thought he was clearly North's best player. Uh, He had the 35 disposals, 21 of those contested. Um, He had 13 clearances, so, yeah, outdid Boke. Um, He had five tackles, a couple inside 50s. He's that true inside player. Uh, A lot of handballs, 26 handballs competent with nine kicks, so... It, it just shows how North just need a quality outside player, doesn't it? If they've got a ball like Cunnington winning the ball on the inside, gee whiz. Yeah, they just need someone maybe uh, that can break the lines a bit. Um, yeah. That's sort of maybe attacking. Like a yeah, yeah, <laughs> someone like that. Yeah, that would be that would be perfect for them. Yeah. Um, 
And what are we up to? My my final vote I gave to Sam Gray. Uh, he's kicked the four goals, two on the night. Uh, also had 20. He's going very well. He's had 28 disposals to go along with that as well. Um, five tackles. Just, yeah, couple, three inside 50s. So, yeah, really, really good. 75% efficiency. So, um, yeah, he's just having a great season so far. He's kicking lots of goals and getting lots of the ball. Going well. Yeah, excellent. All are going well too. Yeah, they are. Uh, all right, on to your your next game, Gold Coast and Brisbane, the Q Clash. Yeah, so the Q Clash was, uh, I think it was um, the most hyped up Q Clash we've had in a while. They got about 15,000 down there at Metricon, which is all right um, for, for the Gold Coast, and hopefully those numbers will keep improving. It was a good first half. Um, there was a goal in at half time, and uh, Brisbane really were quite wasteful. It was six eight to six two at half time, but then after half time, particularly in the third quarter, Brisbane took control of the game and they kicked ten goals to three in the second half. And it was one in the clearances. Brisbane were plus seventeen for stoppage clearances here, and that's not centre bounce. That stoppage is around the ground. Plus seventeen, and from that source, outscored Gold Coast forty six to eighteen. So, um, mm. and they're currently the number one team in the comp for scores from stoppages. So, massive there for the Lions. They're uh, they're doing really well. My mate, Lucky Neil, just dominating in the middle there. Well, your blokes, uh, sorry, uh, we talked about these guys when we previewed Brisbane, but Neil and the Lions had 13 clearances between them um, and clearly, uh, uh, you know, uh, going all right up mm. there at Brisbane. Um, for the Gold Coast, Fiorini, he continues to go well in the midfield. And young uh, Corbett, who uh, was playing with Sam Collins at Werribee um, last year, it looks a real fine, and he's forced uh, Burgess out of the side, and uh, he hit two really good goals in the second quarter. Um, and he looks like he'll be a player. Work rate is huge. And, uh, yeah, so Q-Clash, good to half time. Brisbane took over, which is really what we expected. Um, nothing uh, out of the ordinary there. Uh, so uh, Brisbane march on and, uh, and Gold Coast, I mean, um, they're, they're starting to tire a bit and I think a few changes required at the Gold Coast this week before they take on West Coast. Um, my vote for this game, I yep. thought Robbo, Mitch Robertson was really good. Um, he seems to be playing a bit of a half-forward type role at the moment. So he had 26 touches, three goals, nine score involvement. So it was around the thick of the, the goal-scoring action. Um, two votes have given to Lockie Neal, who continues to, to shine up there on the on the Gold Coast. And he just had a really a couple of really good centre clearances in the third quarter, which were telling when Brisbane was starting it on top. He had 28 touches, a goal, five clearances. Half of his uh, possessions were contested, so he was excellent. And I gave one vote to Jared Lyons. Um, against his old side, he clearly had a point to prove. He uh, had 27 touches and two goals and eight clearances, so... Uh, a really good effort from the former fund. Great. All right. All right. I'll take a deep breath and I'll go to the next game. Yeah. Move on to the Saints and Adelaide. Yeah. So the Saints and the Crows, oh, this is the only tip that we both got wrong this mm. week. We, we picked uh, the Saints and the Crows got up. So maybe the Crows have turned the corner. I'm not quite sure. Hope not. Um, a big talking point out of this game was, Aloni's injury, it looked like a shocker, that knee injury. Um, but thankfully for the Saints, it's not as bad as first thought. He hasn't done an ACL. It didn't look like an ACL. It looked more like a jarring of the knee. Um, but it was interesting. The Saints had nine scoring shots for three in the first quarter, but couldn't capitalise, couldn't put the Crows away. And Adelaide had 19 scoring shots for nine after that and ended up winning by just under five goals. So good signs for the Crows. And where they certainly won that game was in the clearances. They were plus 12 clearances for the game and plus 21 in contested possession. The main culprit for that uh, was Brad Crouch, who had 11 clearances for the game. He was outstanding. Um, But the main point here, I think, for the Crows uh, was the return to form for their forward line. Uh, Tex Walker was really good with four goals. And also young Himmelberg looks good. Kick two and... Guys like Murphy and Betts getting back amongst the goals, which is really good for, for Adelaide because their forward line's always been seen as a real weapon. Um, 
and I think it's good. And Himmelberg at the moment keeping Jenkins out of the team. If he keeps playing like that, I think he should keep Jenkins out of the team. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he, he can. Yeah, Jenkins needs to stop whinging about being out of the team on Adelaide Radio and get get to uh, kicking a bag at uh, Sandful level and get back in the team. That's right. Uh, so my vote's here for this game, and I'm going with the Defenders Union here. Uh, young or former cricketer, Keith, I've given the three votes with his 21 touches at 90%, if you don't mind. Wow. Uh, 14 marks, 8 intercept possessions. He was huge, and uh, the Adelaide blokes reckon he's going to be a star, or he is a star, and he's underrated. So well done to him. He gets three votes. Uh, I've given two votes to Seb Ross, uh, who was in amongst everything for the Saints. He had 26 touches and seven score involvements and almost 700 metres gain to go with his eight tackles. So I thought he was huge. And one vote I've given to Brad Crouch with uh, his 30 touches and 11 clearances that I mentioned before. All right. Well, let's move straight along. I'll have a breather and you talk about the Dockers. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get on to the Dockers, I'm going to talk about Sydney and GWS, the, uh, the Battle, Battle of the, the Bridge. Bridge. So um, there's not a lot to say about this one, but... Basically, GWS dominated the game, ended up winning by 41 points. Um, sorry, what? Get on the Giants. Get oh, on them. The Giants look good, but, I mean, if they can't beat the Dockers at home, then, uh, you know, I don't know how they're going. <laughs> well, in Canberra, wasn't it, home? Oh, okay. Well, it was closer to their home than ours, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, you've completely stuffed up my momentum I'm here. You, I'm you there. Uh, I'm so there. basically, what I was going to say were was <laughs> Sydney are stuffed. Uh, they came yeah. back last year from what was it six six games uh, without a win at the beginning of the year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and it's, it's not going to happen this year. They look bad. Uh, GWS make them look uh, terrible. Interesting in his press conference, um, Longmire went short of calling it a rebuild. He wouldn't use those words, but he pretty much said there is a different team out there this year and we are teaching them so they can get better as soon as possible. Oh, okay. So pretty much admitted that Sydney are in a rebuild. It sounds like it. And fair enough. They've been up for a long time. I mean, Sydney have every right to be in a rebuild. Yeah, well, it's it's Sydney, it's uh, Hawthorne, it's Geelong. Those three teams that have been up and about for a long time. Uh, mm. Geelong still doing it. Um, Hawthorne sort of just holding on a little bit, but uh, yeah. Sydney have have really fallen from grace now. Um, yeah. Get on to a few things from the game. Uh, both Franklin and Davis were ruled out before the game. So I guess that didn't really affect either team, although it probably affected uh, Sydney a, a lot more. Uh, Green was back uh, doing his usual thing, kicked three goals too. Uh, also, no, not not getting suspended this time. Uh, wait for next week. Um, Lockie Whitfield got. Uh, a bit of a corky in the thigh quite early and uh, only ended up with eight disposals, kicked a, a goal at one point, but uh, wasn't really his uh, his usual self. But, yeah, GW, the story of the game was GWS dominating. Uh, they dominated the, rung, the ruck. Uh, Mummy just dominating in there, plus 27 hitouts over uh, Sinclair. And uh, the contested possession, uh, GWS were plus 34 there as well. So very, very uh, good GWS they're looking, um, except for the hiccup the other week. Um, we'll get on to the votes. So my votes went Stephen Canelio got the three. well. Interesting to note that Cornelio had 54% efficiency. Uh, not ideal, but where it counted, he kicked four goals straight. So uh, 100% yeah. efficiency in front of goals. Yeah. Uh, four goals for a midfielder, pretty good. Uh, also had 24 disposals, uh, five clearances, four inside 50s. Yeah, I just thought he was very good. Actually, I just seen a stat here. It says goal percentage eighty percent. So he must have missed one completely. 
I've, uh, okay. yeah, there's no behind registered here. Um, 100% sounded better. Stick with that. Okay. Uh, well, who was next? Taranto. Taranto got the two votes. He had the 30 disposals, was was sort of uh, the main man in the midfield, I think, there uh, with the 30 disposals. 17 contested. Had the six clearances, 10 tackles, if you don't mind, uh, and mm. seven inside 50s and just the one goal. So a really good game from Taranto. And... Someone who sort of was under the radar a little bit, I guess, in the past, but now with the the space opening up in the midfield with the departures this year, he's uh, getting a bit of a chance. Yeah, he's going well. He's having a great year. He is. And I've given uh, the one vote to the old man in Josh Kennedy. Uh, He's had the 32 disposals, 19 contested. He's had the 12 clearances. Uh, six tackles, three inside fifties, and a real, real Kennedy game. Uh, just getting the he's, ball uh, out of the middle. He's getting sore shoulders at the moment, carrying the rest of them. That's for sure. He is. That's for sure. All right, mm. let's that's move on to the next game. Uh, that's me. Okay. Mm. Clear the schedule. Let's talk about the Dockers. There you go. go uh, so minutes. obviously, this was the. Uh, the Monday three hundy game, the hashtag yeah. that, that that was out there for the last week. Uh, it was a really tight game all the way through. Uh, it wasn't until the end of the third and and the fourth quarter where the Dockers were able to sort of take control of the game and um, and take it away from the Dogs a bit. Um, there was a lot of uh, good things for the Dockers that came out of this game. Uh, a lot of sort of individual performances that were really good as well as the team performance. Um, some special mentions here. Uh, Michael Walters in the first quarter was just dominant. Um, he just was getting everything. Uh, I just, yeah, really stuck in the mind as a great first quarter. Uh, also Joel Hamling, uh, really good game against uh, Norton. I think he was on most of the day. Almost yeah. the night. Yeah, Norton didn't do a lot. Yep. Uh, and he had 13 spoils for the game. So uh, a really good defensive game. Uh, and someone else that probably hasn't had too many good games other than I think his first game. I think his first game might have kicked four goals. Uh, Ryan Nyhouse. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I think he kicked four goals in his first game. He's now playing in defense, uh, and I think it was, yeah, his best game in defense. He was just sort of seemed to have the edge over his opponent the whole night, uh, was able to sort of just nick a ball here and there to sort of uh, get it away from his opponent and clear the ball out of defense, and it was a really good game from him. Um, it was interesting, uh, a good interesting swamp stat that I came across for this game. Um, yep. It was only the third game of the year for any team where every player had more than or 10 or more disposals in the game. All right. So there's, there there's been three teams this year that have done that. Uh, mm-hmm. Once by Port Adelaide and twice by Fremantle. So it's yeah, quite an interesting stat. Yeah, ha- yeah, yeah, very much team football. So that that's good. Swamp, Swamp strikes again. He does. Uh, all right, so I'll, I'll get into my votes. Uh, David Mundy is going to get the three votes. Uh, I thought he was pivotal in sort of changing the momentum of the game in the third quarter. That was when I felt the game sort of went from a really close game to sort of the momentum swinging with the Dockers. Um, he had uh, 28 disposals, 11 contested, seven tackles, six clearances, six inside 50s, two goals, and went at 71% efficiency. But it was probably that moment in the third quarter that uh, I watched again just before. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Where he went in hard at the ball uh, and sort of t- Mitch Wallace tackled him, but he was sort of bumping Mitch Wallace, got the ball then sort of knocked it clear and then the Dockers sort of went around the back and around the wing and into the forward line 
and he got the handball off from uh, Brayshaw and then and kicked the goal. So he sort of ran from defence uh, into the goals and and kicked the goal from fifty metres. That was a really good, really good goal. Uh, I went the two goals with uh, Brandon Matera. Uh, maybe not in the votes for many people, but I thought he had a really good night and has had a really good season. Um, he, yeah, he kicked the five goals straight. And on a night where some of the key forwards were struggling to kick goals, I think Hogan might have kicked he's had, a good, yeah, he's had a really good start of the year, that's for sure. Yeah, I think Hogan might have kicked one goal three. I'm just trying to quickly find that. Yep, one goal three. I think Tabana kicked one goal one. Uh, and even someone like uh, Tor- uh, Tory Dixon, who I think is a really good goal kicker, kicked one goal two. I remember him uh, lining up for goal a couple of times and I was saying he, he's going to get this. He's a really good kick and uh, he proved me wrong a couple of times. So that was good. Uh, so, yeah, yeah Brandon Matera, the two votes because he, you know, kicked straight when uh, when others couldn't. And and five goals as well. Really, really good. Um, and I went the, the one vote to uh, Lockie Hunter, I thought he had a really good game. I remember in the first first half of the game thinking we need to send someone on him, someone needs to man up on him because he's just getting a lot of the ball uh, and it's doing a lot of damage. So he had uh, 32 disposals, 759 metres gained and uh, kicked the one goal on the night. So, yeah, he was very good on the night. Uh, very good. And uh, that's that game. Let's move on to the next one. All right. Well, you got the next one as well. So you got three in a row. Do I really? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Hawks and the Blues. Go. Keep going. You're doing really well. Hawthorne and Carlton. Turned out to be a bit of a cliffhanger, this one. Yeah, so uh, this is where sort of it was a a good game and Carlton – were actually in front by I think it was about six goals or thereabouts at one point in the game, maybe at half time. Uh, yeah, they were in front by half time. It was thirty-one points. Yeah, so they were in front by a fair bit in, at half time, uh, five goals, and um, Hawthorne ended up coming back and, and winning. So um, a bit disappointing, I guess, from a Carlton perspective, but um, good they signs. They can't win the Blues. They can't bloody win. Yeah, that, that last part of the game they sort of really struggled with. Um, yeah. And the other the other part, right at the end, I don't know if you saw the last, sort of last few minutes, but right at the end they were – Carlton were kicking it continuously back back into the into the uh, forward fifty, and Sicily was marking it and kicking it back, and then they'd mark it and then they'd kick it back in the fifty. And um, the siren went as the ball was sort of in the air for another inside fifty, and McKay marked it sort of like literally a, a half a second after the siren went, so he would have had a shot on goal to possibly sort of get the job done for Carlton, but. Uh, it was really good uh, signs for Carlton, at least sort of for three quarters of the game, but um, Hawthorne were uh, showing some class by coming back. Um, yeah. Some bad news for Carlton. I think uh, Simpson has done himself an injury. Yeah, Hammy. Hammy, uh, so he's out for a few weeks. And uh, also Nick Newman, I think, has done a, a bit of a knee injury. Not a serious one, but it will keep him out for a few weeks as well. Uh, I'll get on to my votes. Uh, we had uh, Jager O'Meara got the three votes. Just had 42 disposals, so just a casual day at the office. He's been huge in the absence of Mitchell. He's been massive. He has, yeah. Imagine if they had him and Mitchell firing at that sort of level yeah. together. Uh, yeah, crazy. Mm. So 42 disposals, 23 of those contested. Uh, he had eight marks, nine clearances, uh, a couple of tackles, six inside 50s and a goal. So gave him the three votes. Yeah. Uh, we went with the two votes to Shields, was it? 
Yeah. I've just lost uh, lost my uh, stats. There we are. Yes, you did. Liam Shields. Yes, yep. Liam Shields. The two votes. Uh, Twenty six disposals. Went at eighty percent efficiency. Had the seven marks, six clearances, uh, nine tackles, and three goals. Really good game from yeah. uh, from Shields. He probably could have pushed yeah, for the three good. votes, but uh, had a few less yeah. possessions in Amira. Very <laughs> And I went with uh, the one vote to Matthew Cruiser, who I thought had a really good game. I think is making a massive difference to um, Carlton's chances of winning that prediction of ten games for the for the season that I had at the uh, the beginning of the the season. Um, it's not going to happen, mate. <laughs> not if they drop games like this. It's not. Um, he had uh, thirty hitouts. He had thirteen disposals, nine clearances on his own as well. Uh, and a couple of inside 50s and, and a, a really good goal where uh, he sort of, they were in the middle and there was a loose handball and he sort of intercepted the handball and ran to 50 and kicked the goal. Um, not many Ruckman that can do that these days. So he had a really good game for the one vote. Excellent. All right. Uh, we'll finish up with your your game, which will be inter- really interesting to see what you say about this one. I was hoping we'd never get here. Um, <laughs> we almost didn't. We're, we're pushing on about 45 minutes here, so. All right. Yep. And I'd take no responsibility for that, just quietly. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I, um, yeah, I mean, this game was uh, the second poor performance from West Coast in as many weeks. Uh, absolutely towered up by Geelong. And uh, having a look at the main points of this game, I think, Gary Ablett's delivery into the forward line, into the 50, was as good as you'll see. Uh, he He's uh, playing that half-forward role um, superbly. He had uh, five goal assists in this game, and the next best on the ground had one. Wow. So that shows just how clinical Ablett is, is playing half-forward, and he's doing it really, really well. Um, an interesting point, and I remember when I when I looked at Geelong in this season and I spoke about their recruits, I didn't think Gary Rowan was, would be as good as he has been. Um, who would have thought he'd been the difference? He's kicked four goals the last two weeks now. He's kicked 15 goals for the season. He's been fourth on the Coleman medal tally. Wow. Um, and, and it just seems like, Geelong are really realising his strength, which is contested overhead marking. He's, he's doing really well. He outmarked Shannon Hearn, um, who's a who's a beast usually. Mm. Um, he's he's been a breath of fresh air. He's been really good. He's taken the attention of Hawkins. He's been excellent. Um, and a real concern for West Coast. Um, the bottom eleven AFL fantasy players in that game were West Coast players. Wow. So that's a Damning. I mean, I know the players, I mean, Adam Simpson's not really looking at the AFL fantasy stats. But for an Eagles supporter, I can guarantee they will be looking at that stats, and that's shit out. Um, well, I know, guess the there's that, uh, nine players there with less than ten disposals. So, um, yeah. So and a few a with four, are, four, and yeah, Schofield yeah. and Cole with four. Mm. Yeah, and they were in defence, and there was balls down there plenty of times. Um, so, uh, yeah, real concerns for West Coast. Geelong had 140 more disposals in the game. They had 33 more contested possessions. The clearances were even. The Eagles did okay in the clearances, but um, they were sending a defend, uh, sorry, a forward up to outnumber in the clearance, so they were even. But then Geelong's defenders were, were just clearing it out and, and intercepting and then uh, sending it straight down the other end, like guys like Stewart. Um, and Cole Jasmine and so on were just uh, just smashing the Eagles forwards um, too easily. Um, interesting in a quote from Adam Simpson in his press conference, he was pretty damning really the performance. Um, he said, we've just got to stick our head over the ball. So we're getting, Eagles are getting smashed in contested ball um, and it's, uh, it's been two weeks running now. So um, 
it'd be really interesting to see what happens at the selection table. With it. it was as much of a good performance for Geelong as it was a horrible, horrible performance for West Coast. So mm. um, Geelong are clearly, in my opinion, the best team in the comp at the moment. Um and West Coast, uh, sort of thereabouts at the moment. We'll see. We'll see how the next couple of weeks go. But uh, my vote, uh, Gary Ablett, free vote. Yep. He was outstanding. Twenty-eight touches, two goals, twelve contested possessions, eleven score involvements. He was superb. Uh, I gave Tom Stewart two votes. Um, he had twenty-five touches at half back and twelve uncontested marks. So he's just. Um, rebounding from uh, any Eagles surges forward and, and sending the ball forward. And I gave one vote to uh, Patrick Dangerfield, who had 30 touches in the goal. Um, I thought he was, uh, you know, a usual Dangerfield performance. He was a little down on his efficiency, but still damaging nevertheless, pumping the ball forward out of the midfield. So good work from Geelong and West Coast for soul searching today. I think West Coast are just lucky that they've got some uh, a game against the Gold Coast coming up this week, uh, which we'll talk about in the next podcast. But, um, yeah, they're really struggling a little bit at the moment. Yeah, so that's our wrap of the, uh, the games from round six. This is Holding the Ball, the podcast. All right, so thank you for listening to our uh, preview of what was a marathon round six. I thought this would be a good time to just recap. But so at the moment, Mike, interesting. Jeremy Cameron, his seven goals there on the Coleman Reddle medal tally, if I can speak properly, wow. is 24. So, uh, yeah, seven clear of Tom Lynch and then Jordan Goey from the Pies. Hmm. Um, maybe he can win his first Coleman this year. Yeah, well, I think I predicted Jack Rewalt would kick 100 goals this year, and clearly that's not going to happen because he's not playing. Um, that is not going to happen. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're looking looking at our player of the year vote. Um, so uh, it's interesting to see, you know, we're comparing our votes against the coaches' votes and all the rest of it. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, some of our votes are very similar, some not. But uh, it'll be interesting to see also how the umpires view it. But at the moment, we have got Lockie Neal extending his lead after a good performance against the Gold Coast. He moves up to 12 votes. Um, so it's not a bad start after six games having 12 votes on the board. Mm. Um, and then you've got on nine votes in second place, you've got a tie between Cripps and Camilio. Um, and then a tie on eight votes uh, to Trelaw and Rockliffe, who both didn't get votes this round. Uh, and then we've got a few players on seven votes. We've got Grundy, Amira, Dangerfield and Sloan. So uh, mm. interesting uh, to see if Neil can continue his good form. Yeah. Well, it would be uh, good for him and good for Brisbane if it um, if he won the Brownlow this year, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. I think he's second favourite in the betting behind Dangerfield, who we've got currently on seven votes, five behind Neil, but you know, he's Dangerfield, so he's going to command a bit of a price tag. So we'll see how we go. All right. All right. Thanks, That's it for this uh, week. everyone for their comments. Nah, we'll uh, be back to preview round seven uh, tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This is Holding the Ball, the podcast with Mike and Bomber.